What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident Podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Today, I have Mindy Henderson. She is a motivational speaker and accountability coach that lives in Austin, Texas. Mindy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, You guys, if you're listening right now, you can find her at um, her website, Mindy, M-I-N-D-Y, Henderson, H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, speaks.com. And there's a contact page where you can reach out to her, send her an email. Um, Really anyone who's looking for a motivational speaker, whether that's for a conference, a company, a mom's group, or really any group of people who are looking for encouragement right now, Mindy would love to speak for your group. So, and then if you're on Instagram, her Instagram is at Mindy Ann, A-N-N-E, Henderson, spelled all the same way as I spelled earlier. So that, and then YouTube, she's on YouTube also. Mindy, what, what can people watch on your YouTube? What kind of stuff do you post there? So my, my YouTube channel is, is relatively new and I'm, um, I'm kind of teaching myself video editing right now. So the, the videos are, are getting progressively better, but really, you know, my intention is to go and kind of, you know, it's, it's really all about encouragement and motivation. You know, we, we've got adversity is something that it affects every single person on this planet. And, um, you know, everybody I feel like needs just a little bit of light and motivation and positivity in order to, um, you know, just stay, stay positive and work through whatever they might be going through. So that's really what I try to bring to my channel is, is some perspective from my life and the adversity that I've lived through and continue to live through every day. Um, and, you know, try and, and keep it light and fun and, and just as uplifting as I can. I love it. And you guys, everyone who's listening, you guys are going to love Mindy's story. She, she's a powerhouse woman. I'm super excited. So let's just go ahead and and we're just going to dive in Um, to tell you a little bit about what Mindy does. She offers tools and relatable strategies to help audiences navigate their adversity and while showing them how rich their lives can truly be. So Mindy, what do you know about adversity? I know a few things. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think the the biggest, you know, sort of most, the, kind of the focal point of my story is my disability. So I was diagnosed um, when I was only about 15 months old with a progressive neuromuscular condition called spinal muscular atrophy. If you're not familiar with it, it kind of falls into the same bucket as muscular dystrophy. So, you know, it's, it's a progressive condition. It does um, confine me to a wheelchair. Um, very early on when I was an infant, I, you know, started to do all of the normal things that babies do. I hit all of my milestones. I started to stand. I started to walk. Um, and then 
pretty quickly after I started doing all of those things, um, I just kind of stopped. And my parents said that initially it was kind of like, I just almost lost interest in doing those things. You know, babies sometimes go through phases where they just don't want to do it anymore. And, um, you know, eventually we went to see my pediatrician who said that I was fine. Um, he said that it was probably a phase and just to let me work through it. Um, but you know, my, my mom had that mom gut. She knew that there was something more and you know, my temperament was changing. I was, I was fussy. I was crying a lot. So she knew that, that something was going on and, um, we embarked on this kind of medical scavenger hunt that ended at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So we traveled across states and saw numerous doctors to try and figure out what was going on. This was, um, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but it was a number <laughs> of years ago. And like, what, 25, probably 26. Yeah. Eight, right. Yeah. I might even think it's 27, but um, <laughs> so, um, you know, there was a lot less known about this condition back then. And so it was kind of a challenge and a struggle to find somebody that could really tell us what was going on. So um, eventually we got the diagnosis from the head of the neurology department at the Mayo Clinic who, um, you know, should have been pretty knowledgeable about this stuff. But even him, you know, he told my parents, some pretty difficult things that day. Again, I was, you know, not quite two years old by then. And he told them that I would, in fact, continue to lose all of my ability to stand and walk, that I would pretty rapidly lose all of my cognitive function, and that I probably would not live to be three. So, um, yeah, so, you know, my parents were young at the time. This is, this is really a story that has affected so many lives outside of my own. You know, you've got to think about the loved ones whose lives are, are impacted by things that you're going through so often. And they found themselves with a disabled child um, who may not live, you know, into, um, you know, childhood, much less adulthood. And they were in their 20s at the time. Mm -hmm. So a lot for them to deal with. And um, my dad is, is kind of my superhero of this story. He had been um, a, a football player for the University of Wisconsin and was a pretty good football player. He was scouted by the pros and um, actually thought about going pro until he decided he didn't really want to spend all of his free time in the emergency room. So, <laughs> um, but by then he really knew quite a lot about anatomy and physiology and physical therapy and exercise. And even though the doctors had told them not to try, not to bother, to let me be happy with the time that I had left, he started to work with me. And little by little, you know, it was, it was slow going, but I did start to get stronger. And they discovered over time that the experts' predictions, two out of three of them, were, were proven false. And, you know, I was sentenced to life in a wheelchair, I, I like to put it. But, you know, fortunately for me, my parents... Um, decided that they were going to fight it. And they, they really, obviously I was, I was young and I didn't know what was going on at the time, but it's a story that I've always known. And my parents really became kind of my first examples of having hope in what 
the experts were saying was a hopeless situation. So, you know, the very long answer to your question, but that's kind of the focal point of, of my story. There's been other bumps in the road along the way, some really um, serious car accidents that I've had to recover from um, that put me in the hospital for months at a time. Um, I've lost my job twice over the course of my career and had to kind of fight through that um, and figure out how to kind of evolve my life and my situation as a result of those things. So, um, so yeah, I, I've, I've had my fair share of, of tests and, and opportunities to, to really learn how to do adversity the right way. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I actually have tears streaming down my face right oh, now. No. Like, no, in a good way. Like your story is just so powerful. Um, it's, it's so crazy to think that doctors told your parents that you wouldn't live past three. And, yeah. and, and I've really, I've heard before that doctors have such, you know, power over these types of things. And um, a lot of times, they can become almost self-fulfilling prophecies because yeah. people listen to them, right? So had your parents listened to the doctors, they might've just been like, well, we just won't help her do physical therapy. We won't, you yeah. know, try, we won't even try. We'll just kind of let her do her thing for the next year and let mm -hmm. her be as happy as possible instead of trying to like, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy to get you to do the, the movements and the physical right. therapy type things they wanted oh, you to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you were probably crying and fussing and, you know, not wanting to do it. So it wasn't the easy route for them to take, but they, right. they, they decided to not listen to that doctor, um, you know, diagnosis. And, and I tell people that a lot is like, just yeah. cause the doctor tells you something doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Like doctors are humans also. And, Absolutely. and of course they are, you know, you know, if you're a doctor listening or if you're in the medical field, we love you. We, we appreciate you so much and we're all humans. So we all make mistakes. Yeah. And so if you're, if your doctor tells you something, question it and don't take it all as truth right away because sometimes that can end up actually ending someone's life because they actually do listen to it. So very true. And, you know, I, um, yeah, and it's, it's a slippery slope, right? Because, you know, you do look to doctors to be the experts and to tell you the truth and the facts and, and all of that. But, you know, I would say particularly, you know, second opinions are never a bad thing. And, um, you know, particularly if you're dealing with something that the doctors are telling you is rare or is, you know, something new or something unique that they've never seen before, you know, get some additional people to weigh in because hope is so important. And, you know, there, there are a number of, of things that I think are so, so critical when you're looking at adversity and, and tools and strategies for, for dealing with it. But once you start to lose hope, you know, that, that faith that anything can be different, that you can get through something, that you can get to the other side of it, that's when you really start to sink into that quicksand that's so hard to pull yourself back up out of, you know? And so, um, you know, it's, it's not to say don't listen to your doctors, absolutely listen to them, but just like you said, question things and, you know, second opinions are, are worth their weight in gold. Totally. Especially when it has to do with absolutes, like life and death, you know, yes. like that's when it, yeah. when that's when it really matters. Exactly. Exactly. So. Okay. So, and you're, so you're in a wheelchair right now, right? Yep. To this day. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, ma'am. But they thought that you would lose 
all cognitive, meaning like you, you like your brain function wouldn't even work. Like you wouldn't be able to have this conversation right now. Yeah. My ability to speak, to feed myself, to do anything that, that really requires any, any brain power they thought would be gone. Wow. And, and, and so are you able to use your arms? I don't know if that's a weird question, but. Yeah, no, it's not a weird question at all. Pretty, you know, there's, there's not much in my body that's not affected. Um, so, you know, everything, my legs, my arms, my neck, my trunk. Um, and so I don't walk or stand at all. I'm pretty reliant on my wheelchair. Um, I'm dependent on help to transfer in and out of my chair, to get in and out of bed, to do things like dressing, bathing, washing my hair, putting on makeup in the morning, um, you know, pretty much anything that you can think of that you do to get kind of get ready for your day. Um, I employ a couple of um, personal assistants who come over every single day. One takes the night, one takes the morning and helps me do what I need to do to get ready for my day all the way down to helping me feed my dogs and, um, and my cat and um, what making breakfast, helping me prep dinner for the family for the nighttime. Um, so, you know, they're, they're kind of the extension of my arms um, and they're amazing. By the way, if there are home health care workers who are maybe listening to this, they are angels here on earth. It really takes <laughs> a special kind of person to do that kind of work. And I really respect what they do for me. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of things as I go throughout the course of my day. Um, and I should say that I'm fiercely independent. I was, I was born with this just independent bone, which was maybe God's sense of humor or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, because you, you put someone in a position where they're so dependent, but so fiercely independent. It's kind of a, a weird quagmire, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I've worked really hard over the course of my life to to architect my life in such a way and to be intentional about it so that I can live as normal a life as possible despite, you know, the, the help that I need. Yeah. And, and you're married and you have a, a daughter, right? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah, I've been married for almost, well, I guess 16 and a half years. And I have a daughter who we adopted from China and she's, um, she's in her first year of college. So I'm super proud of her. It's, um, I've, I've got a family that I'm really proud of. So cool. I love it. Oh, such a good story. So good. Okay. So you were diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy at 15 months old. And then, um, I know like a lot of our conversation today is around adversity. So do you remember a time where you felt like a victim to your circumstance or were you always this positive about it? Um, no, there, <laughs> um, you know, and even today, I mean, I still have my days, you know, um, and I think that that's important to say because, you know, it's, we're, we're all human at the end of the day and you can do as good a job as you possibly can. And all of your intentions can be to, to live a positive, productive life, um, and I think you can be largely successful at that, but you know, we've got to acknowledge that, that things are still hard. And, um, you know, I would say particularly my, you know, because this has been a lifelong struggle and growing up with a disability was particularly hard and confusing and you're going through so many different things 
phases with your emotions and, and your brain development and all of that as you're growing up. And you just want to be like everybody else when you're a kid, you know? And so I struggled with it a lot when I was growing up and, you know, people would stare and I was hypersensitive to staring. I hated it. And, um, but people would stare at me. People would come up to me and ask questions about what was wrong with me. You know, today it's fine. I don't, I don't mind it. I'll talk your ear off. And, um, but when I was a kid, I, I didn't want anyone to point out that there was something different about me. Um, and so it was, it was upsetting, you know, and I, I did go to, um, you know, a, I don't like the word normal, but, you know, regular schools. I was in mainstream classes. My mom actually fought to keep me out of special ed because, you know, like we said, my brain worked fine. I just needed a different way of sitting at the desk that the kids were sitting at and things like that. So, um, but, you know, we would go to recess and I couldn't keep up with the kids. So mm. sometimes I would spend recess by myself and, um, you know, and, and I did come home crying um, on a fairly regular basis um, when I was a kid, but, you know, gratitude is something that I always really like to talk about because it's been so instrumental, I think, in finding my way through adversity and kind of training my brain to work a certain way when it comes to adversity. Um, and my parents' stock answer every time, and it's not that they weren't compassionate, they absolutely were, but, you know, they would tell me every single time I came home crying to count my blessings. And, mm. you know, and it made me angry in the moment because I wanted to feel sorry for myself. <laughs> I, was, I was eight years old and I wanted to cry and be angry at the person that had made fun of me. Um, but I did, you know, through, you know, over the course of the years and hearing this repeated message, um, I, I heard them and it stuck. And... I grew up really knowing how much I had and how much worse other people's problems could be. Um, and so much, again, to my parents' credit, they, they really recognized that letting me cry in a corner all day was not going to serve me in life and navigating the hard knocks that life was going to throw at me, but that teaching me to be a grateful person and to count my blessings was going to serve me. Wow. So. Yeah. I can, I think of like, I mean, I was homeschooled and then I went to public school and I felt like really different from everyone else. And, you know, there, I had like little things like that, but I can't even imagine just how not being able to play with the kids, you know, these are the things that, you know, I don't think about, or probably like other listeners who were born with walking legs and, yeah. and were able to play and run around at recess, probably didn't even think about what it felt like to be someone in a wheelchair watching the other kids and just thinking, gosh, I wish I could play with them and, yeah. and this, the staring. And yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. you can't help, like, you know, that kids are so curious. So I'm sure like kids just naturally, you know, they, they always say stuff. I, I used to babysit and they'd be like, what are those big red things on your forehead? And I'm like, those are pimples, pal. Right. <laughs> like, get off my back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You just weigh, you'll get them too. Yeah. Um, they don't have any fear in asking about anything no. or staring or pointing. And, and, but like when you're a kid and you're experiencing that, it's, yeah. it literally is, it's so devastating. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah. It, yeah. And, but 
you know, at the same time, and it wasn't all bad, you know, it, you know, that wasn't every day of my life. I had some teachers that were great at recognizing the situation, helping to navigate it, helping us to play creatively and, and things like that. And, um, and so, you know, there were certainly people in my life that actively worked on giving me, um, opportunities that anybody else might take for granted and and helping to try to even the playing field and and things like that but you know at, at the same time as as hard as it was and you know it's nothing that i would wish on my own daughter of course but it's it's made me a much stronger person than i might have otherwise been yeah totally yeah. Okay. Last random question. Cause I just have so many curious questions popping right up and then ahead. we'll get back to the normal questions. Uh-huh. Um, did you know, like growing up, so you said you were eight and your parents were like, okay, you need to count, you know, count your blessings and everything. Did you know at that time that doctors had told you that you were only supposed to live till three or when did you find that fact out? You know, that's a good question. I don't know that I completely know the answer to that. I don't have a memory of them telling me the story. It's just kind of information that I've always had. Um, and I know that we've talked about it in my adult years. Um, I I don't know. I'm not (laughs) sure at what age I was, I was aware of that fact. I do remember being aware of the fact always that, you know, this, this was never going to go away. This was never going to change. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the the really cool experiences that I had as a kid, which I think also, you know, it was was one of those sort of transformational events that I'm so grateful for. And I know that there are so many kids that are in the same situation that I was that don't have this opportunity. But um, I I think that it kind of changed the trajectory of my life to an extent um, when I was about four the Muscular Dystrophy Association asked me to be the Texas state poster child for them. And so I got to do things like go and I got to be on television. I got to make, you know, public appearances and give speeches. I actually gave my first speech when I was four. Um, It probably wasn't very good, but I do remember I always started with an elephant joke to warm up the crowd, which I think is my (laughs) mom's idea. If you've never heard an elephant joke, they're awful. Go look them up later. Um, I mean, they'll they'll make you laugh, but they're terrible. Um, So... You know, it was this kind of pivotal thing that really, really early on also taught me how to turn something that could have been such a negative in my life into a positive. And it showed me that there were still contributions to be made. And um, and I think that's where my love of public speaking was really born, because it taught me just the power of words and and the impact that you could make on other people just by telling a story um, mm-hmm. or you know showing your your true self to somebody else who maybe has never had exposure to that kind of circumstance before. Yeah. I can't believe you were inspiring people at the age of four. And look at you, 22 years later, still doing it. No, I'm 21 and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> oh, I 
love it. I love it. Okay. So share a little bit more about like the anger and frustration that you feel, or if you ever do feel that, um, towards life, like right now, do you ever feel negative emotions popping up today that are, that are like, I can't believe this is the life that, that, that God put me on or, or anything like that? Or yeah, you know, I honestly, um, I don't know that my brain ever lets me get quite that far with it um, because, you know, people will agree with this and disagree with this. And, and I completely respect that. But I, I do I kind of deep in the core of me, I kind of believe that this was chosen for me for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I, I believe that there you know, somebody thought that there was something good that I could do with this. And that's the way that I try to approach my life really every single day. And so when I, when I, when I frame it that way in my mind, um, it really prevents me from going to that place. But (laughs) I will say that, you know, things, just average things that you do every day um, take me a lot longer. Um, And that's frustrating, Um, especially when you're kind of a type A, like OCD personality, Enneagram one. Enneagram one, whoop, whoop. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I'm kind of like chop, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing. What's, you know, let's, let's, let's get this done. And so, you know, something as simple as getting out of bed in the morning Anybody else, um, once you decide to, in fact, get up out of bed, most people can make that happen in about five or 10 seconds. Um, For me, you know, my assistant comes over. I have a piece of equipment that we use um, to get me up out of bed. And there's kind of a choreography to it to get me, you know, rolled over and sitting up and get this thing um, attached to me, so to speak, which sounds really weird. But and, you know, and, and the whole process start to finish takes about seven minutes, which, you know, when you just want to get out of bed and brush your teeth, it's kind of frustrating. And so, you know, most of the mornings I'm pretty used to it and it's fine, but there are some mornings when I'm just like, really, really this again, you know, and, and, but I, I also know, and I don't know if we want to, if we want to go here right now, because this is kind of a big concept that I've learned in life is, is just the idea that if you look at it the right way, adversity can be temporary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just the sheer nature of what uh, adverse circumstances are, a lot of what people go through is temporary. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's five days, five years, sometimes it's lifelong, but you can still look at it as temporary because like I like to say, my, my disability is not my problem. You know, it's, it's the byproduct of my disability and each tiny little minute that makes something hard day in and day out, that is my problem. But those minutes, you know, for example, getting out of bed, that is temporary adversity. And I know that it's going to last seven minutes, and then it's going to be done. 
you know? And so I try really hard to look at things that way. And when you break it down that way and don't look at the disability as a whole, um, because then it's just this big cloud that hangs over your head all the time. But you look at it in terms of minutes or activities or, or little steps that you have to get through and anybody can do that, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. of college students are women, and 48% of employees in the workplace are women, which is awesome. Ladies, this is proof that we are smart and working hard. But you know what's not so awesome? Only 29% of VPs and just 22% of C-suite executives are women. In male-dominated industries such as STEM, these numbers are even more startling. As these numbers state, women aren't lacking the knowledge, education, or ability to be leaders in the workplace. What many women are lacking is the confidence to take on risk. Most of us have heard this one before. Men will apply for jobs they are 60% qualified for, yet women will only apply for jobs they are 100% qualified for. This type of stat also applies to women at their job, not willing to take on that new, unknown project. What she's lacking is the belief that her skills and abilities are not only quote-unquote okay, but are powerful and needed in the workplace. The Confidence Workshop is created to help women dig deep into their mindset and get to the root of this problem. If this conversation gets you as fired up as it gets me, we are now taking applications for this workshop for the ladies of STEM corporations. Please head to our website at nextlevelconfident.com to learn more about the Confidence Workshop. What are what do you think are some other lifelong adversities or um, maybe even like shorter adversities? What are what are other things that you think this applies to? Yeah, this is an interesting question. And um, you know, I think anytime you're dealing with you know any kind of a disability any kind of well not any kind of a sickness but oftentimes health conditions or or sicknesses can be lifelong mental illness um, is one that can be a lifelong struggle but then the other thing is anytime we go through and this is where I'm, i'm a little bit out of my depth i'm not a psychologist but I feel like there's baggage that comes along with adversity and that in and of itself can be a lifelong struggle, you know, because you go through something and if you, if, I don't know, we can, we can kind of get stuck. Um, There are things that people maybe are resistant to letting go of um, or don't fully work through. Um, and then, you know, they, they thought they do follow you through your life and continue to affect your life. So just the sheer, um, existence of an, an adverse circumstance can become something that becomes lifelong adversity. Yeah, totally. Like if someone was raised in a household that was, you know, not, not very safe as a child, maybe, you know, I've, I've known people before who their, their parents were, you know, making drugs like in the house while they're growing up and that, that there's moments like that or, or abuse, you know, whether that be physical or emotional, or, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a long list of things that can happen to you, even like you're saying at a point in time, 
right. that might only happen. It might be a, literally a five minute point in time, or it could be a five year point in time, but then you're done with it, right? It's mm-hmm. not there for the rest of your life, yes. but it, the aftermath can affect you Absolutely. and you can either choose to continue to, to have that adversity mm-hmm. all the time, right? Every day it's right. your truth, or you right. can work through it. And, and like what you said earlier, I loved, you said, I've had the opportunities instead of calling it struggle, you call it opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we're very well said by the way. And, um, you know, words have power. And so I try to be very aware of the words that I'm using day in and day out to describe things because, um, it's, it, it's, it can be subtle, but you know, it kind of sets the tone for the space that you park your brain in. So, um, so I do try to be careful with words. And I also want to say, you know, I, I certainly don't want to minimize anything, you know, like, you know, growing up in abuse or, or whatever the case may be, um, anything that anyone who's listening has been through, um, and PTSD is, is a very real thing. And I don't know because I've never walked through those things, but you know, there are certainly things that you can do and that I would hope that you would do to try to work through that trauma. Um, but it probably is something, you know, I, I think that adversity shapes who we are largely. And part of that is having these stories to tell and these things that that can you know honestly kind of haunt us a little bit that make us more compassionate people and um you know i I think that's one of the things that adversity does for us is you know if if we lived in you know some people may have heard me tell this story but you know if we lived in utopia you know where nothing bad ever happened the world would just be kind of a superficial acceptance of gifts and none of it would mean anything, you know, but adversity, I think one of the purposes that it serves is to really give definition to the good things in life and builds that character in us that allows us to be compassionate, grateful, generous people. Um, So, you know, anybody that's walked through any of these really awful kind of traumatic struggles, I think that there's, again, opportunity for that to shape you into a really, truly beautiful person that has the capacity to, (laughs) to really impact people in a, in a positive way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You said that perfectly. And one thing I like to say is it's kind of like music. It's like a crescendo, right? Music wouldn't be fun if it was all one tone, you know, uh-huh. you wouldn't listen to it. And so, so true. there's the deep notes and the high notes and the ups and the downs. And not that I'm a musician or anything, but yeah, you know, I get how music works. I can't use yeah. any fancy language right now, but uh-huh. there's, I know crescendo and yeah. that is, that's life. And, and you're right. Like if it was all happy all the time, it wouldn't feel happy. And, and also I've noticed, and my husband and I have talked about this, sometimes even when life's really good, it, it can be easy to try to, we're almost programmed as humans to try to find the bad in something. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to have that control over the mind, because even if your life is really good, like you might be listening right now and you're like, gosh, I don't even relate to any of this because I've, you know, I haven't had anything traumatic. Like my right. life's been really good, but even, even people who have had 
good lives, right? Like with yeah. nothing, no, no true adversity. Mm-hmm. They will, you know, first of all, you still have adversity in a different way and your adversity is no less than anyone else's, right? There's no yes. reason to compare. Oh, well, you know, Mindy is in a wheelchair. So, you know, my breakup that I'm going through right now, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all fine. Yeah. Right. Like, no, absolutely. And I, I, yeah. And I think that's so important because, um, you, you really can't compare what's a big deal to one person may not be a big deal to another person, but to the person who's going through it, if it's a big deal, it's a big deal, you know? And, and I think that we need to respect that in each other and just know that, you know, we've, you, you know, none of us are getting out of this alive. Right. And, and we all are going to go through our fair share of bad days and struggles. And we've all, we're all on our own path and, and taking our own journey. And it's, it's just, it's different. Um, and, and you really can't, and, and I don't think should compare one person's struggle to another, because when it boils down to it, it's, um, it's something that's a negative force in each of our lives. And we all have to figure out how to, how to navigate it. Yeah. How to overcome our own adversity, not Mm -hmm. anyone else's. (laughs) Totally. And one other thing you, you triggered something, something in me when you, I think you said something about kind of programming our brains um, or something, but um, you know, I, I feel like it's important also that people maybe adopt certain, um, strategies because, you know, I, um, you know, I read about like the neuroplasticity in our brains and, and things like that. And it it really is a muscle that we have to build up. And even if there's not something really huge, maybe that you've had to deal with yet, or this week or whatever, um, you know, it's something that I think over time it's, it can be a skill that you build four times that are trickier, you know? So again, going back to gratitude, that's something that has been such an important force in my life. And every single day I write down five pieces of gratitude. Um, and I try to make them unique things every single day because, um, I don't know, um, um, there, there are two people, Rachel Hollis and Sean Anker, um, are, are big proponents of this. And I really learned it from them. And, you know, they, they talk about this idea that number one, if you're writing down gratitude every day and you're making a practice of it, you go through your day looking for things to be grateful mm-hmm. for. And so, you know, there's, there's that, but then really Sean Aker kind of tackles the science behind it. And it's so interesting. He's done studies with people and he's taken people who test at like high level pessimist levels. um, And then he asks them to commit to writing down gratitude every single day for 30 days. And at the end of just 30 days, their white, their brains have been rewired so much that then they're testing as low-level optimists. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really powerful tool and something that, you know, regardless of what you are or are not going through right now, um, just to do every single day because it really does train your brain 
to instead of going into kind of a reactive emotional, the sky is falling mode when something bad happens, um, it's a lot easier to approach something with some positivity and with some intention. And that kind of becomes your autopilot. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think that probably every listener that at least generally listens to this podcast should know that they should be writing out three to five things they're grateful for every day. Cause I'm a huge proponent for that as well. Yeah. And finding unique things. Cause I used to do it where I would just write out like I'm thankful for my husband. I'm thankful for yeah. my bed, like, which is fine, but it's not mm -hmm. quite as intentional because you're not looking for like, you know, the super specific of each day. Exactly. And I think the more specific you are, the more you really look for specifics throughout your day. It's true. Great. And it can be things like, you know, my favorite song came on at the grocery store or a call from a friend or a cup of coffee or, um, you know, I, I think honestly, the smaller things are even, even more powerful. Yeah, I completely agree. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. We got a couple questions left here, you guys. Um, Mindy, we talked about how there's a fine line between numbing with positivity and camping out forever in your adversity. So what are some practical tools? And I know we just talked about one gratitude, um, that you give individuals for acknowledging their hardship and then taking action to step away. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this is, this is a, a big question and I know enough <laughs> about psychology to know that you have to feel your feelings. Right. And, you know, to, to try to be this superhuman person, that's not, that's going to go through life, just not feeling anything bad. I, I think that, you know, in my um, unprofessional opinion, I think there's going to come a time for anybody where you're going to crash and burn if that's how you go through life and you never feel anything because it's just building and building and building and becoming this kind of pressure cooker. So I think that it's important to give yourself some grace when you are going through something difficult to, to sit with it because a lot of times too, something happens and we don't know what to do, right? We, we don't know what the answer is. We don't know what the right, um, the right action or, um, you know, set of actions, what plan is, is the right way to go, the right direction. But I think that in addition to allowing yourself to, to feel your feelings, I think if you, if you sit with things and you do get quiet, um, oftentimes the answer will come to you, you know, so it's, it's kind of important, I think, from a, a few different angles that you do sit with things, that you do feel things, that you do get quiet and reflect on what's happening. But then I think, you know, I think when we were talking the other day, I said to you, you can't set up camp there. You know, you, you can't sit and feel your feelings for a year. You know, eventually you've, you've got to do something about it. So, and I think we all kind of know when the right time is, when you've been, you know, wallowing for long enough, when you've been processing for long enough. Um, and I personally, and I think this is true for a lot of us, I feel much, much better about whatever it is that I'm going through when I'm taking action. So, you know, I think that um, 
it's it's important to do something, you know, make, make a plan. I'm a big planner and, um, you know, what's, what's coming to mind right now, I'm actually working on a book project and I'm interviewing a lot of people that have been through really extreme, um, adversity. And I've asked them a lot of questions about this very topic and everybody that I've talked to is really in agreement that, identifying either a plan of action or you know starting to take some kind of forward movement or just findings even if it's something separate from this adversity entirely finding something that is meaningful to you something where you feel some passion you feel some emotion that's not desperation or sadness or anger something that lights you up a bit a little bit another project that you can work on i've talked to a bunch of people who have actually started their own businesses in times of adversity as a means of distraction or empowerment or you know creativity or whatever the case may be so you know i i to, I think that again, you've you've got to spend some time processing and feeling, but then there are a lot of things that you can do to to begin to move forward and pull yourself out of that stupor. Totally, yeah. Like it could be something super random, like mm -hmm. starting a business or getting into pottery or yeah, starting jazzercise or whatever. It could be a total hobby, or it could be hiring a therapist or getting a coach or mm -hmm. um, writing a to do, like making a to-do list every day and, and promising yourself you'll do your to-do list or something yes. where you're actually taking action on a, with accountability to make sure you're actually doing something with your yes life and that. actually the list making one was a great um i'm glad that you said that because one person who i spoke to i loved this she said you have to have something to do every day you know once once you kind of work through the muck um you know having a mission or some sort of objective every day is really really important so i'm glad you said that yeah and i am a big proponent of therapy too i think that therapy is really important and and so helpful and so beneficial to so many people a hundred percent yes i have loved every therapy session i have ever been to <laughs> i have too <laughs> <laughs> i love it okay um so one thing that you said when we spoke recently that really really stuck with me was the very thing that creates our adversity can be the thing that drives us to success so yeah. why do you think that that's true I think that there's a very definite parallel between adversity that we go through and any sort of success that we achieve in our life. And I think that what that parallel is, is that they're hard, you know? And so if you, if the, the difference is adversity is usually something that we're going through unwillingly. You know, it's not something that we chose for ourselves. Success typically is something that we do intentionally, right? Um, but both things are hard. So I think that adversity um, kind of, you know, adversity that's, that's kind of forced on us through, you know, in, in going through that and overcoming it and navigating it, it sort of builds up. And I, I mentioned this a little while ago, it builds up these skills and characteristics in us that are the very things that we need to employ 
to go and achieve any kind of success in our lives. So me, for example, you know, going through life with a disability, a lot of the qualities that it's really um, built up and, and kind of cultivated in me are things like patience and problem solving and creativity and determination and perseverance and, and things like that. And those are, if I look back at any of the goals that I've achieved in my life, those are the very things that were critical to me achieving those things. Um, so absolutely, I think that um, we should embrace a lot of the adversity that we've gone through and really look for the lessons that it's taught us and look for the, the, the qualities that it's built up in us. And then we have to be intentional though about using those things. And I truly believe that our biggest challenges in life can actually become our, our biggest advantages. Yeah. I mean, look at you, like you are, you speak publicly, you started when you were four years old to, <laughs> to encourage people and talk about adversity. And I think just starting the conversation is so powerful, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you where I love talking about the hard things as well as the other side of like the motivation and the gratitude. And, uh -huh. but sometimes there are speakers and, and people who are motivational, but they don't really talk about the hard stuff. So you yeah. don't really connect with them, right? You're like, dang, like you got your whole life figured out. And then there's me, you know, and I, we're not really the same. Cause I'm like, I'm a mess. You're not a mess. Uh -huh. You're perfect. You know? And so I think it's so incredible, Minnie, that you have started the story of like, Hey, you can go through adversity. You can go through hard things and you can use it to further your purpose. And because of you being born in a, you know, uh, with your muscular atrophy, um, am I saying that right? Yeah, spinal muscular atrophy. Spinal muscular atrophy. Um, because you were born with that, now you get to inspire people. And who knows, maybe you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today if you weren't, if you weren't born with, with a disability, right? Yeah, I, I really do believe that. And, um, you know, I think that, um, oh, I just had a total brain cloud. Um, that's okay. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, I'll talk for a second. So you, you get, yeah. yeah, it'll come back to you in a second. It That's happened back. to me a few times today too. Yeah. Um, I was going to say for me, it's the same thing. Like, um, I have other podcasts where I share this, but I had actually thought that I was going to die in a car accident for many years of my life. And, um, you know, it's kind of a long story of how it all developed, but it was starting from a place of not wanting to be alive and, um, wishing that I, you know, would be missed and wanting attention and, and so creating this whole story and, but it's once I broke free from that and realized that I was actually born with a purpose. And I truly believe that every human being is born with a purpose. God does not make accidents. You were created for a reason. And uh -huh. so everyone listening, you're, you're created for a reason and it's, you know, it might change also. It's okay if that morphs and changes throughout your life, things yeah. you know, evolve uh -huh. and that's good too. But yeah. like, I'm actually happy or I don't know if happy is even the right word, but I'm, I'm glad. And I'm, I'm thankful that I went through what I went through for all those years of thinking those dark thoughts, because I wouldn't be a confidence coach today to teach women about mindset. I wouldn't be speaking to corporations about how to talk about limiting beliefs and the dark lies that hold us back if I hadn't experienced that huge dark lie and broke yeah. free myself. So it's yeah. a blessing. It, it absolutely is. And I couldn't agree with you more. And what I was going to say 
a minute ago is that, you know, I, I do think that for a lot of people who are listening, it can be really easy to hear, you know, either one of our stories and be like, you know, oh, great, you know, well, it, it sounds really easy, but oh my gosh, it wasn't, you know, what I'm, what I'm talking about today, and I am going to date myself right now, but you know, this is 45 years of work that's gotten me to a place where I can talk about these things with some element of ease because I've had so many years of working through it and trying to understand it and make sense out of it. And then, you know, to do something, trying to very intentionally do something good with it. So, you know, anybody who's listening that, that thinks that this you know, sounds great in theory. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of time and effort and work that's been put into it. And I hope that anyone who's, who's listening will, will put in the work themselves and do some of these things that we're talking about that are really, um, you know, strategies and practices and things that you have to decide that you want to do every day or on a pretty regular basis in order to train your mind to work in a certain way. Um, but it, it does take time and I'm here to tell you um, that it's, it's been a lot of work. Yeah. I think sometimes it seems like the easier road would have been to keep numbing it, to not, to not create the space to think about it. Right. You talked about creating, um, I don't remember the exact word, but creating margin basically in your time to yeah. sit and think about what's happening and like, yeah, ponder it, reflect. Right. But so often we numb with, with really acceptable numbing things like social media or, um, you know, YouTube, I mean, you could even be listening to this podcast and be using it to listen to inspirational stuff uh -huh. to numb all the things that are actually happening in your life. Cause you don't want to focus on what you're going through or what you sure. went through. And yeah. so it's, you know, I think both Mindy and I are challenging you. Don't just listen to this podcast and then never reflect on what you're going through and don't just scroll through social media or drink your glass of wine and watch TV every night yeah. in hopes to numb what you've been through. Cause if you don't sit there and think about it, you're never going to, you're never going to heal from it. And therefore you're never going to be able to use that gift to help others. And move on and you'll never be able to move on and experience, you know, really fully experience the happier moments in your life that are to come because you'll always have this, this stuff in the background kind of, um, kind of weighing you down. You know, and the, the other thing that is coming to mind right now that I would really encourage people to do if you are, going through a dark time right now, if you're struggling with something, I encourage you to talk about it. You know, that's another thing that's really, um, that's really kind of hit me between the eyes as I've been interviewing people for this, this book and listening to them talk about what they went through. And um, I would say 98% of the people that I talk to say that, 
they kept it a secret. They kept it inside. They wanted to appear strong. They wanted, they didn't want anybody to know what a mess things were or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so they didn't talk about it. You know, maybe nobody knew, maybe one person knew, but when they started to talk about their story and what they had been going through is when they, they started to feel more free and they started to feel empowered to do something about it. You know, if you're, if you're keeping these secrets and you're going through something so hard all alone, um, it can be paralyzing. Um, and so I think that just sharing your story and talking about what you're going through with people that you trust um, is, is one of probably the best things that you can do for yourself. Yeah, because it normalizes it, you know, all of a sudden there's so much power in someone being like, oh my gosh, I'm also exactly. going through that. And that's when I finally shared my big secret, which was the thought that I was going to die. It was like someone that I shared it with ended up saying, me too. I, I used to think of that also. And I was like, no way. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Right. It just like, it felt like a weight was lifted from my shoulders to know that like, First of all, I over, like you kind of over dramatize or you not over dramatizes, but you just, you make it harder in your own head. You do, you do. And it feels, it feels bigger. You feel like you're the only person that has ever had something like this happen before. Um, and so it does, it kind of um, escalates and magnifies what it is in your own mind. Um, so I, I did just want to share that as well and, and tell you that so many of these people that I've been talking to, that's like number one or number two of the things that they wish they would have done differently um, or done sooner. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. Brene Brown says you can't numb the bad without also numbing the good. Yeah. And it's I remember when I, when I read that, I realized I had been numbing so many bad things from my past for so long that I wasn't able to experience a lot of the good things. And yeah. so my life felt really monotone. It just felt very gray because uh, I wasn't, I wasn't bringing the dark stuff into the light. And once you bring the dark stuff into the light, you get to feel that, that crescendo, like we talked about earlier. And that's absolutely, beautiful. I love Brene Brown. And what another, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's something to the effect of, we should never have to feel shame for the mere act of being human. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's maybe a fear um, and something that keeps people from sharing their story or talking about what's going on is maybe the shame that they feel over it. But, you know, just know that you're, you're human and you're not the only one out there who's struggling with something really, really, really hard. And people want to help is another thing that I find, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we don't want to be burdens. We don't want to ask for things and, and all of that. But, you know, if you have people in your life who care about you, um, that's a gift that you can give them as well. I think it makes us feel really, really good to be able to help somebody who's, who's struggling. Um, so so good. So good. We're on a roll. I'm like, any more Brene Brown quotes? Like what else? What else do we got? <laughs> Rachel Hollis quotes, like everyone, bring them on. <laughs> Comment below your favorite uh, quote that, that goes along with all this. <laughs> okay, Mindy. Well, in wrapping up, what are a few action steps that you would like people to take? I always want action, action yes. to take after this podcast. Yeah. So absolutely gratitude. If you do not have a daily practice of gratitude, 
honest to goodness, y'all, it takes five minutes and or less. I mean, some days I do it in three minutes. Just sit down with your, your morning cup of coffee or tea or whatever you drink in the morning and have a little journal or a spiral notebook or something and write down five things, three or five things that you are grateful for that's happened in the last 24 hours. And, you know, some days it may be really hard. Some days it may feel like you're checking a box, but keep doing it. I promise you it's going to be um, a game changer for you. So that's thing number one. Um, the second thing I think is there's a really great book out there called, um, and I'm trying a blank on the author's name, but it's called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Mm. And it's one of my favorite books in this space. It's an easy read, um, a fast read, and it makes so much sense just the way that he lays out all of the information and he kind of nails it in the title. You know, it's not if bad things happen to good people, it's when. Um, and so, you know, not to play doomsday, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're all going to have our time when life gets hard, things get hard. Um, and this is just a really fantastic read. So I encourage you. Cool. I'll link it below you guys. So anyone who's listening or watching, I will link the book below. Perfect. The, the other thing is, and um, the idea of having accountability in our situation is kind of big for me. I'm, and I think this goes, I think this goes back to my, my type A tendencies maybe um, and my, um, my desire to always take action and do something about things. But, you know, I think that, you know, there are two ways that adversity comes into our life, right? Sometimes we do play a hand in it and we bring things on ourselves. You know, we don't make good nutritional choices and we create health problems for ourselves or we get emotional at work and we say the wrong thing to our boss. You know, there are things that we do that contribute to our own circumstances. And it makes sense, I think, in those cases to say, well, of course, you know, take responsibility, own it, change it, do something about it. But the other way that adversity comes into your life is things just happen. You know, and my, my disability is a perfect example of that. It's not something that my parents or I created, that we asked for, it just showed up in life. But, I think that in either scenario, we can own our situation, we can take responsibility, and we can take response, we can, we can own our response to what's happening. We may not be able to control what happened, but we can mm. control 100% how we respond to it. And what that does for you, it brings an element of control back into your life. It puts you in the driver's seat and if you can't control what happened, maybe you can control the outcome, you know, or at least, in, you know, partially control the outcome. So if anybody is listening that is going through something like that, I encourage you to think about how you're responding to it. And are you really, you know, really taking responsibility for how you're responding to your situation? Mm, so good. Come on. All right. I'm fired up. Who else is fired up? You guys, let's go. <laughs> oh, Mindy, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom and your brain and all your tools and tricks. We really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Right back at you. So you guys, if you want to go check out Mindy's website, it is Mindy 
hendersonspeaks.com. You can reach out to her there and let her know um, what impacted you about this podcast or what connected with you. Or if you have, I don't know, maybe even like an idea for her, her book, someone who could, who could share their adversity, whatever it is, share your ideas and thoughts with us. We would love to hear it. Yeah. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day, Mindy. I'll talk to you later. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.